The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And you know how we start every show on a Friday with the world-renowned Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Uh, I think you know, I, I think I called you from Africa last year. You knew I was there. Uh, you know, I, was, I didn't tell you, I was out in uh, the bush in, uh, with the tribesmen and I uh, saw a lizard. And a lizard was, was uh, telling you these great jokes. And, but that's not a lizard. That's a stand-up chameleon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Good one. Classic Duff McKagan. Thanks to Duff for keeping us laughing every single week. And thanks to all of you who've been laughing along with us with the Winnipeggers every Thursday night. Dave Spivak, Ribo, and I just released a new episode last night. This one is about the first time we moved away from home, how we survived, or in Dave and Ribo's cases, almost didn't. And if you really want to laugh, check out the episode to see Dave demonstrate his nunchuck skills. That's not a that's not a misprint. You gotta check it out. You gotta see it to believe it. Uh, you gotta see the Winnipeggers on my YouTube channel and on Facebook. New episodes every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, we're back. It's conspiracy theories. I'm t- talking to Jericho. We're talking about the Illuminati with Illuminati expert Isaac Weishaupt. Not his real name, of course, because you gotta uh, uh, kayfabe that shit. He's the guy behind the Illuminati Watcher website. He's also got his own podcast dedicated to all things Illuminati called Conspiracy Theories and a Popular Culture. So Isaac is going to give us some background on the Illuminati, who they are, when they started and what they want. He's going to talk about the connection between the Illuminati and the world events like the JFK assassination, the current pandemic, the Illuminati, aliens, uh, Star Wars, George Lucas, the Manson murders, and why there are allegedly so many celebrities who are secret Illuminati members. Isaac is also explaining the meaning behind some of the more popular Illuminati symbols, uh, like the obelisk, the number 666, and the all-seeing eyes. The interesting discussion and deeper look at the Illuminati coming up on Talk is Jericho. Oh, yeah! So it's uh, strange times, to say the least, and uh, one good thing is it gives me a chance to really stock up on a lot of great uh, Talk is Jericho subjects and guests, and something that I've been looking at and thinking about for a long time is the, uh, the mysterious uh, legend and legacy of the Illuminati. 
So uh, my producer Stacy was able to uh, find Isaac Weishaupt, if I'm pronouncing that properly. Close enough, yes. Weishaupt, yeah. Illuminati watcher, Illuminati expert, and you just mentioned that you have a lot of time on your hands as well. It's definitely uh, a, a time in the world and a time in our lives where there's a lot of kind of uh, conspiracy theories and thoughts of secret societies and uh, machinations behind the scenes, uh, something we've never experienced before uh, for our generation, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, thanks for uh, reaching out. The and, and first, let me clarify something, because I'm sure some of the more astute listeners are curious as to my name, Isaac Weishaupt there. Isaac Weishaupt, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's not, um, that's actually a pseudonym. That's not my real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I started this journey several years back. I, I started blogging, wrote a couple books on the subject, and I didn't think this was going to really like take off per se or go anywhere. It was just something I did in my sort of free time. And, and at the time when I first started this, I was super paranoid and I didn't want my real name to be mixed in with my pseudonym. Uh, I've kind of eased up on that a little bit, but I, yeah, I still go by the pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's silly to think like, oh, they're not going to figure out who I am. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they could figure it out. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So like, uh, th- that's just a pseudonym because the the original, you know, we can kind of walk through this however you like, but like the original Illuminati was this secret society formed by a guy named Adam Weishaupt, Weishaupt, uh, German guy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and they had sort of like sort of these goals of to to sort of because i'm going to try to keep this as high level as i can without going in the weeds they sort of had this idea of perfecting society or at least perfecting the body of adepts that were in this secret society which is what you find in a lot of secret societies in the freemasons and such and uh, it's all it's all about the idea of achieving a better sense of self uh, which is great, right? On the mm-hmm. surface, it's very sort of self-help, this, that, and the other. Um, but to me, when I research this idea of an Illuminati, and I guess we could sort of define what my understanding of it is, is it's this umbrella term for a multifaceted sort of group of thought leaders, secret societies, people in positions of power that can create a new reality, quite literally. Uh, with a coordinated effort. Now, that's not to say every Freemason's in the Illuminati. That's not to say every secret society is pursuing the same goals. But to me, I think there would be a core pursuit of what what we call the uh, the evolution of consciousness. Right? They think these people think they believe that they under have a, a different understanding of the world and. The masses, most of us, could achieve a, a better sense of self. We could achieve a perfected society, they think. And they want to slowly indoctrinate the masses. They call this, uh, on some levels, revelation of the method, which is why you see the symbolism in the movies and the TV shows and the concepts. And, we, and we'll definitely get into that territory. But yeah, so when we say who is the Illuminati, I would say this is a group, a cabal, if you will, of these ultra powerful, ultra wealthy folks that also, because uh, that's not to say every every wealthy person's in the Illuminati, uh, but there's a core group of uh, you know people, unnamed people, mm-hmm. who seek to evolve humanity into some, into a new a new world, a new idea. You know, the, the biggest 
kind of mainstream Illuminati was probably it was probably ten years ago now with uh, the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons and the whole the books that came out that were super popular and and the, and the movies with Tom Hanks obviously as the star um, very much delving into the Illuminati and the Catholic Church and the Vatican and Rome and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, was that just a story or is that kind of where it all started in that area uh, and delving kind of into Catholicism and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. The, so to me, the, um, when, when I first started this journey, uh, this is, and, and this is back in, oh, about 2011. And if you recall on, on YouTube and such, there were, there were lots of conspiracy theory videos. And to me, uh, and, and little background information, uh, and I've said this many times, I'm, I'm a Christian, not a good one. I'm a conspiracy theorist, also not a good one. <laughs> because Sounds uh, like I me. <laughs> yeah, because I struggle with a lot of, in both camps, I struggle with a lot of the doctrines. And, and, and you know, this latest coronavirus thing is a prime example where, you know, for years I've been looking at this vaccination thing and, uh, you know, I've got all this sort of ideas of like, oh, yeah, they're going to coordinate this sort of fake agenda maybe to, you know, and I don't want to, that's a rabbit hole to vaccinations because I, I believe the, I believe the science behind it. I question a lot of the, uh, a lot of the necessity for some of them. Anyway, um, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is this is a straining time for people's belief systems, especially the, the conspiracy community. Cause it's like, you know, this is obviously very real, like, like right. something's you know, there's too many people losing tons and tons of money on this thing to say this is all oh, this is all just fake. Anyway, yeah. So you're talking Da Vinci Code. Let's get back on that. So, um, so anyway, I started the journey, and I didn't like how all those YouTubers and all these people always tried to pull in this sort of Christian theme to it. Which, like I said, I'm a strange person. I I'm a Christian, but I also was like, yeah, I didn't believe it because I thought eh, these guys are zealot Bible thumper types, and like they're just so convinced that they're the harbinger of Jesus Christ, and I don't believe them. And I started off the journey trying to sort of separate and saying, let's let's pretend this is not some kind of good versus evil thing, mm-hmm. and over the years, I've slowly understood that like, that's exactly what it is. So the Da Vinci code and that, that is one perspective on this idea that when I, when I dig into who is the Illuminati, uh, I have to understand their belief systems, which is based on these sort of what they call the occult, which means the hidden, uh, is this sort of blend of Neoplatonism, Hermeticism and, and Kabbalism, which, um, you know, I know a lot of people aren't very familiar with these terms. It's basically this sort of ancient, uh, these ancient teachings and new age concepts that you find within. And to boil it down further, you find out that there's a very real element of Luciferianism in the sense that these these people, these uh, people coordinating this agenda want us to believe and understand their beliefs that Lucifer is not really that bad of a, a person Evil isn't really bad, basically, is the uh, the gist of what I believe they're trying to convey and make us believe as well. Because hmm. when you talk about the Illuminati, and maybe I'm getting mixed up maybe with the Freemasons or, or the, the Knights of the Templar, but did this not all start kind of with the bloodline of Christ or to protect Christ? Uh, is that the Illuminati involved with that side of things as well, or am I uh, confusing the two? No, no, and, and and it's a super confusing topic. Um, I don't, I don't profess to be the 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 best person at trying to um, trying to sort of 
convey what I what I understand from. So you got you go back in time, this lineage way back, uh, all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? And you've got the serpent, and that's sort of like the the crux of the whole whole ordeal. Now, when you get to Jesus Christ and this bloodline of Christ, uh, some of these occultists they believe that Christ was actually this secret bloodline that was here to show mankind how to um, how do I say it? how to get back to the uh, the source of light. Um, how do I explain? It? So, like in Kabbalism, they have this idea that mankind was created by this evil God, like, so like the God, the father in the clouds that Christians and the, the Abrahamic religions understand, mm-hmm. they think that, well, here was this oppressive, jealous guy and he created mankind to worship him and be subservient. And he, and he put him in the garden, but then here comes the serpent along to liberate mankind from this, uh, and give mankind true freedom from this, uh, you know, tyrannical psychopath in the clouds. That's kind of like their belief. And one of the sort of doctrines within their belief system is, is Kabbalism, uh, this sort of uh, mysticism where they believe that evil is a remnant of the universe that existed before God the Father in the clouds came along and created us, mm. which they, they refer to God the Father in the clouds as the, what they call the demiurge. They think he's actually the evil one. Okay. Right. It's an inversion, and uh, you know that's that's something you'll you'll find a lot in this research is this inversion concept. But they think that Jesus Christ was actually coming down from the light source and showing mankind, hey, you too can become God, and you too can uh, reascend back into the light source, and that. Jesus Christ more or less had nothing to do with the Christian Bible version of events. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So when did the Illuminati start? How long have they been around? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's sort of, um, I've got sort of like a, because um, you're talking about the Knights Templar and such, um, we go back to the the, the dawn of occultism, uh, this idea of a hidden uh, secret doctrine. Uh, it goes all the way back to you know roughly 500 BC with Pythagoras over there in Greece, and he created the first secret society called the Brotherhood. And what he did was he he went around and traveled and synthesized all these. Uh, like the Babylonian stargazers and the Egyptian mystery schools. And he took all these secret teachings and started to blend them together and teach them to uh, the people in his secret society. Uh, This included like uh, gematria, numerology, geometry, you know, all these sort of things that uh, you'll see pop up in your research of the Illuminati. Uh, Then, you you know, after Pythagoras, we had like Plato who did the same thing at what he called the Academy and he was teaching about all the initiates about this world that existed beyond the five senses. Um, 
And this is uh, and this is essentially what the story of Harry Potter is, by the way. You know, Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts. That's Plato's Academy, right. and they teach him about the world beyond the five senses. Um, and then you, you know, you know, and then uh, if we take this timeline down, you've got this sort of uh, cradle of civilization stuff in Egypt and Rome and the Greeks, and they were further refining these ideas, al- uh, alchemical processes of how to perfect man. Um, and then like Jesus Christ came and then you've got from, from Jesus's, uh, existence on earth, the Gnostics sort of took a lot of these same ideas and they kept them going. And they believed again, like the souls, we all descended from light into darkness onto this material world where we're trapped by this evil God. And we're supposed to follow Jesus back up to the light. Um, which went against a lot of the early Christian church ideas. You know, the Gnostics are considered a, a heresy to the Christian uh, belief system. So after the Gnostics were sort of shoved underground and pushed underground, uh, you've got all these other things that pop up, like the uh, uh, Hermes Trismegistus was this Egyptian mystic. And uh, if, if you kind of research, you'll find all these sort of figures that pop up. And then you've, of course, got the Knights Templar. And these were people that... Um, they, they found something below Solomon's temple and they gained all this power all of a sudden, uh, through, uh, all these Kings and they got all this property. They invented the modern banking system, but then the, the Catholic church arrested them for the, uh, the claims of heresy. Cause they were saying like, Oh, these, these Knights Templars, they're not, they're actually not Christians. They're actually worshiping this Baphomet floating goat head. Mm-hmm. They're actually spitting on the cross. And, um, you know, and it gets a little, gets a little convoluted because you're like, well, you know, because you hear a lot of theories about how the uh, Roman Catholics are involved in all this stuff. And, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? Like the Jesuits and all that. But all, all we can do is sort of like read upon these, the history and, and try to make sense of things. But yeah, in the Knights Templar, you've got this, uh, you know, Jacques de Molay was the grand master at the time, but they persecuted this group. And that's sort of when this is during the Renaissance period, all these occult practices were further pushed underground. This is when we had like the witch trials and all that stuff. And it wasn't until, you know, the next age, the age of enlightenment, uh, we started, we started seeing an easing up of this sort of attitude where people who practice these sort of concepts were allowed to sort of do it more publicly. And I'm talking slowly, you know, because people, even to this day, you know, I mean, it's easier nowadays than it was 30 years ago, but like people that practice witchcraft and all that kind of stuff were not very accepted into society, not as much as they are today, I should say. Well, what, what, what is the, uh, the purpose of the Illuminati? What's their goal? Uh, So their, their goal is they want to, they want to instill their belief system. They want the masses to understand the true um, purpose of Lucifer and again, this is in, in my research, and you know, a lot of people see this different ways. Um, they want to create what they call the perfect secular order. That's what uh, Marilyn Ferguson called it. She's the author of a book called The Aquarian Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's a new age book. Uh, Manly P. Hall said, you know, 666 is the number of the perfected man. And the goal, ultimately, is to allow man to become God, which uh, they could be doing through transhumanism. Uh, I believe they're they're using this sort of archetype of Lucifer and Prometheus to convey these concepts that 
hey, you don't need to be subservient to a religion. You could become God in your own right. And and that that's essentially what they're trying to do. And that's why you see these symbols you see everywhere. What symbols do we see everywhere? Uh, like like um like the all seeing eye. You know, like you got people covering up one of their eyes, or you've got people doing the uh, the six 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 hand sometimes over the eye as well. Uh, it's the eye, the all seeing eye. It it is the um, it's it's the embodiment of this Luciferian idea that wisdom can open up the third eye, the pineal gland. Wisdom is the the path for the initiate to become God, for man to become God. Uh, and, th- and there's lots of like sort of, <laughs> there's lots of sort of crazy symbolisms that you find when you understand the sort of core story of what their belief system is of man becoming God. Uh, you'll see it in various movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. The all-seeing eye would be kind of the the eye in the middle of a pyramid sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep, yeah, so the eye in the pyramid, um, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but like you'll see a lot of celebrities doing this sort of strange symbol of covering up one of their eyes. And, and it goes back, again, you have to sort of go back to the time before they really pushed uh, these heresies underground. Uh, you've got this, this uh, unholy trinity, they call it, of Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This is, these are Egyptian deities. Uh, but that is an analogy, right? It's an analogy for what these current Illuminati people believe in. They believe that Osiris is analogous to this concealed doctrine. Basically, uh, Lucifer is God and man can become God through Lucifer. That's the Osiris. Then you've got Isis. That's considered the, the church, the body of initiates, the people that believe and understand this stuff. And then you've got the masses. We are the Horus. This is the offspring of Osiris and Isis. Uh, this is the perfected body of initiates. And this can only happen when the, the word is found. This is like a Freemason concept of the lost word. And, and it's based on the story of Osiris. And um, Osiris was you know, cut into 14 pieces by his brother Set and then his consort Isis. She tries to reassemble Osiris. She finds 13 of the pieces, but she can't find the the phallus and the, the penis, right? And this is the analogy for the Freemason lost word. Um, and this is, by the way, what all these, why you see all these obelisks, like the Washington Monument, uh, uh, all over the world you see the obelisks. It's, it's a phallus religion reference. But this this lost word, the lost penis of Osiris, when that is found, the the Horus, the perfected society, the perfected world can be conceived. That is ultimately what their their goal is: the revelation of the method to the masses to perfect society. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot of people that think that uh, major world events are being plotted and controlled by 
by the Illuminati, um, even the JFK assassination and the French Revolution, and even some people talking about Corona. Tell us a little bit about that side of things. Yeah. So again, this is and this sort of this sort of ties into this idea that there could be power structures. There could be these people that are able to, you know, they're in these high power positions to do these sort of events. Um, and, and when you read through the history of events, like, like nine 11 is a good one, right? You, you find out that a lot of these people in high positions of power knew these things were going to happen before they happened. The politics for the new American century was a, a nine, 1990s uh, think tank. And they were basically saying, you know, this is obviously before nine 11, they were saying that the best way to cause, uh, you know, changes in the world to further push their agenda was to have another Pearl Harbor. And they even went as far as to say like planes running into buildings. And they said, then once that happens, we can get into all of these countries like Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff really came true. Um, and you know, you, you talk about the false flags, that's again something that you can you can find lots of evidence for all these false flag events that they knew what was going to happen, like Vietnam, right? Like Vietnam was uh, they knew about the uh, was it called the Gulf of Tonkin incident before it happened, uh, or or I'm sorry, the uh, the Gulf of Tonkin was was an event that they used. That's what the uh, Secretary of Defense McNamara come out and said in the 90s. He said, we knew that it wasn't what we originally conveyed to the public, but we used it to get ourselves into Vietnam. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's stuff like that that actually seeds a lot of these conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists because a lot of people want an answer. They want to understand why would they let this happen? And you know, like I said earlier, this coronavirus thing, it sure is testing of like, you know, I have a hard time believing, like I have a hard time believing like someone would cause this kind of devastation for a purpose of advancing some agenda. Like, like I, I really have a hard time believing it given the amount of things that have happened since uh, this first kicked off. Well, yeah, well, there's people who still feel that it is a conspiracy. I mean, is, is there any connection between uh, coronavirus and Illuminati, in your opinion? You know, it, it's tough. Um, I think that – so, okay, so I think obviously, like, pandemics can happen. Obviously, viruses are real. Um, people are really dying from this stuff. So I do believe it's real. Now, the question is, was this engineered on purpose? And was the purpose to do this? I've heard lots of, I've read through a lot of conspiracy theories about like how China does this in order to get rid of their elderly population. And this one just kind of like got out of control. Uh, you know, I don't know what to think of that. Uh, the one, the, the one thing, the one thing that I go to that I'm kind of like, well, here's a sort of fingerprint of the Illuminati on this thing is Bill Gates because Bill Gates in October of 2019, he was involved with a thing called Event 201, and it was a simulation of essentially the exact same thing that's happening right now uh, about this this coronavirus mutating from a bat, getting into the humans, causing uh, economic and uh, you know personal devastation all over the world, 
And in the event 201 webpage, which, you know, anyone can look at, if you read through all the, the documents of it, they say this is an 18-month effort to alleviate this, you know, of course, in the simulation, right? And that's what you're seeing the news talk about right now is how this is an 18-month thing. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's so many things that line up to this simulated event 201. But like the rational side of me says, well, I mean, they've been talking about pandemics forever. I mean, there's movies on it from 10 years ago. Like they knew that this was going to happen. This is very real. Uh, but then I look at what Bill Gates has been doing. Uh, he, he resigned from the board of directors at Microsoft mm. just, you know, a few weeks ago, along with all these other CEOs that are all of a sudden resigning everywhere. Then you look at some of the things he was saying, like on his Reddit uh, AMAs he did just a few days ago, someone asked him about, uh, about you know some kind of thing about keeping businesses open and he suggested that and i'm going to paraphrase here heavily but he suggested that we need to have we need to hurry up and get the vaccine for this coronavirus out there and utilize this thing called id 2020 which is basically they've found this way to give someone a vaccine and it would also sort of embed this I'm not going to say a microchip. It would embed this sort of substrate that shows ink dots to confirm that the person has that vaccine uh, with the idea that we get the coronavirus vaccine out there, everyone gets it, and then before they can, I don't know, attend an event, they would have to use this smartphone app to scan that area where the uh, the embedded ink is, and that's how they could confirm they've got the vaccine. Uh, you know, so we're looking at mandatory compulsory vaccinations um, as sort of the way out of this thing. And, um, and you know, and Bill Gates was instrumental in finding out how to do this. He directly was asking these scientists back in late 2019 to find a way to have a, a mark of record for vaccinations embedded into the skin, which, you know, it raises all these red flags of, you know, a lot of the a lot of. Christians talk about the mark of the beast stuff and that's just how it's going to happen. And I, I don't know, you know, like, I, like I said, uh, this is such a nightmare right now. I'm like, sign me up, give me the, the vaccinations, right. give me the mark of the beast. I don't even care at this point. Let me out of my house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of the only connection with coronavirus I see right now. What about like the, the the hiding in plain sight of like celebrities and former presidents and whatever? Um, do you, do we see that sort of a thing of of some very prominent members of society that are kind of very influenced and, and maybe even controlled by the Illuminati? Yeah, you know, and that's and that's a and that's a tough one here because that's that's kind of the big question is who is in this Illuminati, right? Um, surely someone's in it that we know, but uh, it'd be hard to tell. You got to look at the um, there's a there's a guy named Manley P. Hall. He's a 33rd degree Freemason. Uh, he wrote a book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And it's like this, you know, thousand page book full of allegory, mm-hmm. <laughs> gobbledygook that's very difficult to read through. But there's chunks of it that are that we could pull out. Um, he talks about the secret doctrine, which, of course, I, I, I believe to be the Luciferian stuff. And he talks about undisclosed teaching passing down through blood oaths. But when he talks about, and this is in a separate book, sorry, this is in, uh, I'm looking through my notes here, what the ancient wisdom expects of his disciples. This is like a shorter book. He says, 
the true adept and initiate shall reveal his identity to no man unless that one is worthy to receive it. Uh, which basically says they got to keep this thing, you know, silent. They got to keep it hush hush. Um, and why do they do that? Well, it, it protects these initiates from being chastised. It's also a method that they use to gain dominance and power over their uh, unsuspecting enemies. Um, and, you know, there's, there's one more quote from that same book from Manly P. Haw. says, All occultists and initiates should assume the dress and customs of the nation or people among whom they dwell, lest any departure from that custom shall cause them to be unduly conspicuous. This was one of the strictest rules of the ancient wisdom teachers and is found among the old manifestos of the Rosicrucian Brotherhood. Uh, so there's some ideas as to why they want to keep this so quiet as to who's in it. Uh, but I do believe we can use use the entertainment industry to see that a lot of people are, I don't want to use the word puppets, that's uh, sort of like a derogatory thing, but, I, but there's people that are used to further push their, their ideas and their symbols uh, because there's, there's power in the symbols. If you look at, uh, you know, Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell and Plato, they all talked about this, the power of symbols and symbolism talking to the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these artists, these celebrities, musicians, actors, you'll see them sort of do these symbols or you'll see the symbolism in the music video behind them. And I don't think that they really understand the scope of it. I think that, you know, at best, they might think like, oh, this is edgy. This is, uh, you know, Illuminati stuff. People will just get to talk and sell some records. Like, I don't I don't think that they're very well um, versed in understanding why this is happening around them. But I, I do believe that they are used for that. Well, and, and you mentioned the symbols before. You said the all-seeing eye and then, the, you know, the 666 hand gestures. There's also owls and you know, satanic horns and the, the, the demons and Moloch's and Saturn's and all that sort of stuff that are very prevalent uh, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what's weird is the the power of the mind and the subconscious is something that they seem to understand better than most. These ancient occultists, they knew symbols held power. Uh, they believe that the symbols are good at conveying certain thoughts used in occult practices and ceremonies. Uh, this is why, you know, Adolf Hitler would have these giant rallies with 20, 30,000 swastikas. Uh, he was able to sort of like invoke an energy using this sort of thing. Uh, even if you look at ritual magic, which is a huge component of this thing is ritual magic. Uh, they use symbols drawn on the floor in ceremonial magic, uh, the triangle and the circle, the, they'll draw, um, the, the magician stands inside the circle and the, the triangle is where they conjure up the spirits. The, they're more or less trapped inside of the triangle and uh, they use it to sort of conjure up an entity, a demon or whatever you want to call it, spirit, and use it to try to like negotiate and gain powers from this spirit uh, from the protection of their circle. Uh, but these, these uh, memes, we, you know, there's a lot of power in these memes that are going around. Uh, if you recall back in 2016, Donald Trump had the, uh, the uh, Pepe the Frog meme going that, that people on Reddit were pushing. And there was arguments that this was uh, 
connected to some kind of subconscious realm. And you got to look at, you got to look at Donald Trump at the time. They were saying that he was the chaos candidate that, that was all over the place. Everybody looked, Oh, he's the chaos candidate. Cause he was uh, ushering a new age and this was uh, not a typical politician. And, um, then you look at Pepe the Frog, which was kind of like a joke almost that people that were supporters of Trump were pushing Pepe the Frog, which was actually an Egyptian deity of magic named Keck, this frog and deity, right? Mm-hmm. Well, turns out Keck is a um, Egyptian deity of magic and chaos. And there's arguments to be had that they were charging a sort of hyper sigil. Uh, it's what they call chaos magic. It's this idea of manifesting energy and channeling it towards something. So the argument here would be they used Keck as the chaos god to charge up the powers needed to get Trump, the chaos candidate, candidate into office. And it, it all sounds really wacky. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different sort of realms to get into with this. But when you look at the, you know, the fact remains that you see these symbols over and over, like all the ones you mentioned there. And when you try to understand why they would do this, you get into this realm of like Carl Jung, who was researching, uh, he said the conscious ego is unaware of this sort of subconscious, this shadow side. And the symbols are a way to speak to the subconscious. Uh, and this is where creativity resides, which is why a lot of these artists might be doing it, or at least they're told to do these symbols because it gets them closer in touch with their creative side. But as you can see, like sometimes this has detrimental effects, uh, like Britney Spears, for instance, she kind of had a breakdown a while back. Right. Um, some people argue that it's because she was doing this sort of practice of contacting this sort of hidden realm, the source of creativity that these occultists believe. Because she had many symbols of the six 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 hand over the all seeing eye, she did, you know the same things. What is the six 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 hand, by the way? So, again, depending on interpretation, it's the it means the womb of the Illuminati, and it also means six 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 in the sense that you put your thumb and forefinger together uh-huh. to make an O. Gotcha. You know, yeah, and it has roots in uh, the Hindus used it to represent the female genitalia, the O there which is where we get this idea of it means the womb of the Illuminati and it means the practitioner is part of this big agenda of birthing a new reality, birthing this, this new age that Aleister Crowley spoke of. It's funny. You put in the 666 hand sign in Google and automatically it's Kevin Spacey and it's Beyonce and it's Obama and it's Trump and it's like Jackie Chan. It's like, everybody's doing this now. You can see it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it and it sounds kind of strange, but you know, I always look at it as like, you know, I look through my phone at pictures I have with like my friends and stuff, and they, none of us ever do right. that. You know what I mean? Like someone, <laughs> there's a reason they're doing this. But the, uh, you know, you said Beyonce, she's a curious character too because she was channeling, and and a lot, another element of this of these occult understandings is channeling entities. And Beyonce was channeling an entity called Sasha Fierce a while back. And a lot of these artists do this. You'll hear them talk about it all the time. And and they kind of say, well, it's just my muse or it's a way I get into my creative space, which maybe it is. But she she said some curious things that 
that uh, she said how I channeled Sasha Fierce, and then later there she said, "Oh, she died because I actually merged her personality into mine. I, I sort of uh, she she more or less reconciled the spirits, which again, like to the commoner, that's not a big deal. But when you understand a lot of these occult teachings, when you look at the Baphomet that the Knights Templar were accused of worshiping, you it's the goat with the boobs." And, um, and the, you'll notice that it has these on its, on its forearms, it has, it says solve and coagula. That means to separate and to join together. And this is a reference to an alchemical process. This is the, uh, to dissolve one, oneself and rebuild oneself. And again, this goes back to that same concept of man perfecting himself to become God. So, um, when Beyonce says she's, uh, sort of combined the the spirits. She's saying she reconciled the opposites. She's effectively uh, used this sort of it's a duality concept in in occultism to uh, absorb the darkness. And you know I don't I don't want to get off on tangents in case in case just your head's spinning. <laughs> but um, Kobe Bryant was doing this too. Uh, you know he's a he's a popular topic uh, since his you know unfortunate passing not too long ago. Uh, and I read through his after he died because I don't I don't really watch sports. Um, but when he died, I read through his. He wrote two books, two children's books, and they both have curious themes. They both talk about the uh, uh, magic, right? Because he had this multimedia company named he called Granity, and it comes from a word grana that you find out in one of his books is is basically magic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and on one hand, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a kid's book. I get it, whatever. And you find out he was also working with Paulo Coelho, the guy who wrote The Alchemist, uh, which, you know, Paulo Coelho, I've talked about in the past because here's a guy who was raised in a, a Jesuit school. He was in a, a mental institute. He practiced black magic. He followed Aleister Crowley's uh, Salima religion. And, and he, you know, he was into all this occult stuff. Uh, not to take anything away from the book, The Alchemist, because I, I think it's a great book, too. But uh, you got to understand the influences Kobe Bryant had that made him write this these books. Uh, and I'll encapsulate the books. Uh, I'll try to make this real quick. But the first book, uh, it's about he said this is this book is about me. Uh, it's about this boy named Rain and his friends and they're playing basketball. Uh, but then they meet this this character, this professor who teaches them stuff. And he's the, the Hermes character in the, uh, you know, if you talk about uh, archetypal kind of stuff. But anyways, this professor, he gets the kids to sign a contract with him. And the boys go through all these rituals. They face their fears. They face death. They confront their shadow. And these are all like words he uses. Um, and they even call him a witch. Uh, but after they go through all these initiation rituals of uh, that involve like pyramids and mirrors and black orbs which is a again alchemy uh they become enlightened and that's you know kobe said the book was based on him the character rain and and one thing that was curious from that book uh, one of the kids one of the friends in the book his parents died in an accident that the government orchestrated which i found curious given the uh, uh the you know the passing the helicopter uh, accident but what's more curious 
and this is, and we're, I'm going to wrap this up here with the, <laughs> with this topic. Uh, the tree of Ecroft. This is another book he wrote with the same concept. It's a bunch of kids, uh, trying to get athletic, uh, you know, prowess and a girl, she signs a pact with the fallen God. His name is Hurel in the book. Um, really? and Hardly yeah, seems like something yeah, that a kid's they, book would uh, be talking about. Yeah, exactly. But and again, like that's what I'm saying is like they they indoctrinate the masses subtly through entertainment and this, uh, you know, this kid she signs the pact with the fallen god and she goes to an academy to learn magic and uh, she has this shadow side that's very dangerous, but she is able to perfect it. Uh, and the the book the book it ends. She's walking. She goes back home and she walks in on her uncle praying to this fallen god. And the whole time. The character in the book, she like feels bad that she made this deal with the devil, essentially. And her uncle, and she's like, "Oh, uncle, what are you doing?" And the uncle basically tells her, "Oh, evil's not that bad." And that's basically how the book ends. I mean, this is all Luciferian concept. This is Luciferian one hundred and one. And and Kobe wrote that. Yeah, yeah. So are they saying that his helicopter crash was more than an accident? I mean, I don't know. I I'm not going to go right. that far. Um, I, I don't know. I, I did find it curious in the one book how the kid's parents died in an accident and they say that the government orchestrated it. And that's essentially that's essentially it in that in that it's just one paragraph of the book. There's no other mention of it just out of nowhere. And I thought that this is all very odd. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about the... um the connection between the Illuminati and aliens. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, once again, I mean, yeah, there's so a lot to is... talk about here. But 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 what what is kind of the, the 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 connection, the lineage between those two entities? Okay, so uh, you know, again, this is a subjective sort of thing. This is my understanding of it so far, and it and it evolves and changes over time. But we look at you know all these concepts I've talked about already with the occult and these concepts of a sort of you know a hidden realm outside of the world of being that plato calls it and they have this sort of what i think is they believe that these aliens are the path to this human salvation that they seek because when you look at uh, a lot of these concepts of like ritual magic you know they're channeling entities and they do it in order to gain knowledge from them this is what Aleister Crowley was doing when he wrote his yeah. uh, influential book of the law. He channeled uh, a spirit, essentially. And if you look at Crowley's teachings, you'll find a lot of a lot of concepts with these aliens. He talks about how uh, the universe is uh, convincing that there's beings of intelligence uh, of a higher higher quality than anything any human could have. You know, almost with disdain to the human race uh, is what you find with a lot of these sort of people obsessed with believing in aliens. Uh, and that, to me, it seems like that's the new religion is believing in aliens. Uh, you go back to, 
you know, you go and, and it's connected into science, unfortunately. Uh, you go back to ancient alien shows, ancient astronaut theories that goes back to NASA, the foundations of NASA with Jack Parsons and Werner von Braun. These guys were all avid followers of science fiction tales. And they all had this sort of inspiration, a guy named Konstantin Soykovsky. He was kind of the first ancient astronaut theorist. And he talked about this, uh, this idea of um, a sort of global consciousness stuff and about how the aliens can basically teach us and enlighten us. Uh, so when you, when you, and there's, and there's tons of supporting ideas behind this, but that to me seems like the purpose for this alien obsession that we see uh, you know, because just 10 years ago, uh, people would scoff at the idea of it if you believed aliens existed. But now, today, just, you know, 10 years later, through enough TV shows and movies and scientists coming out and talking about it, uh, it's the other way around. Now it seems like if you don't believe in aliens, you're crazy. I mean, you know, you listen to these scientists and say, oh, there's aliens everywhere. They're all over the damn place. We've got so many stars, so many planets. It's impossible. They're They're absolutely everywhere. But to me, I'm kind of, I'm kind of more reserved on it. I, you know, I until I see one, I, I have a hard time believing that they're all over the place like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keeping on the lines of aliens, tell us about your whole Star Wars conspiracy and how that relates to the Illuminati. Oh, okay. Um, well, so again, uh, a big topic there, the Star Wars thing. And you wrote a book about this. Yeah, I, I've written several books, and sometimes, uh, you know, back when I was blogging, I would write stuff, and if if the topic was getting too large, I would start to kind of assemble it on a different document. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm 50, 60, 70 pages in and I'm like, Oh geez. Uh, and that's what star Wars was, was basically, uh, it, it evolved into this sort of like, you know, it's a smaller book, but a book nonetheless. And you see the same, same themes again, we've got this, this evolution of consciousness with the occult beliefs that, you know, the new religion is going to be no religion essentially. This idea that man can evolve oneself, and it's the same theme you see with like you know Harry Potter or whatever. Luke Skywalker is the initiate who learns to know thyself, mm-hmm. and he does it. And his main goal, you know, the the highest level idea of Star Wars here is that they say Luke is going to balance the Force, and you'll notice they they don't say he's getting rid of uh, evil; he's getting rid of the dark side. They're saying he's balancing the Force. Which again ties us into that, that Baphomet concept, the reconciliation of opposites. It's this idea that evil isn't that bad. We need to learn from the evil. Um, this is what you know. Carl Jung talked about this. He said, and Carl Jung was a Gnostic, by the way. Uh, Carl Jung was saying that he would rather be whole than good, with the idea being that you can't be whole or have a total understanding until you can sort of harness and understand the dark side, which is, uh, you know, essentially what, what Luke does. And I, I kind of fell off from the films. You know, I watched obviously the first six films and then I watched the seventh one. And, uh, and then, you know, when Disney bought it out, they you know turned out movies tw- mm-hmm. <laughs> like to a year. And I kind of fell off cause I, I had lost interest in the story at that point anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's essentially what the, uh, what the star Wars story is. It's about this, Global consciousness, this cosmic consciousness. Uh, again, the same theme you see in all these occult teachings of uh, Aldous Huxley's uh, perennial philosophy. And, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker is the initiate that we 
sympathize with as he goes on his journey. So obviously this was written by George Lucas. So does he have a, a doctrine that guides him? Uh, Illuminati, Luciferian, what, uh, what's his intentions, his true intentions? Yeah. So I know he wrote, so he wrote the story uh, with a guy named Gary Kurtz and Gary Kurtz was this, uh, was a, a Mormon, right? He was a, he was a Mormon guy and you know, if you look at the Mormon faith, which I don't profess to understand entirely, but there's definitely elements of Freemasonry in there, paganism, that kind of thing, ceremonial magic because of its founder, uh, Joseph Smith, uh, who was also, by the way, <laughs> channeling disembodied spirits like Aleister Crowley was uh, with Moroni, um, but uh, whose whose trumpet fell the other day, by the way, from an earthquake in Utah there. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the um, Gary Kurtz was instrumental in writing the story. Uh, they both kind of worked on it together. They basically had this idea of a global consciousness, these hidden energy fields called the force. And there's like six degrees of separation uh, to different occult figures. Uh, like Gary Kurtz was Mackenzie's Phillips legal guardian during the filming of American Graffiti, which was, you know, a that was George Lucas's film. Uh, but uh, Mackenzie, of course, is the daughter to the uh, John Phillips from the Mamas and the yeah. Papas. And John Phillips was, you know, alleged to be involved with all of this dark stuff involved with uh, the death of Sharon Tate. Uh, supposedly, I'm, I'm going to put a big, supposedly big allegedly in front of this. Uh, he was involved with these sort of S&M slash satanic orgies at the uh, 1050 Cielo Drive which, you know, obviously it was the, the home of Polanski and Tate when uh, the Manson family went in there and, and killed them. And, and curious enough, back when I wrote Star Wars, the, the book there, I, I kind of mentioned that. And just recently, there's a book written by a journalist. Uh, his name escapes me. It's called Chaos, and it's about Charles Manson. And he more or less asserts that there were, in fact, videotapes of these sort of crazy orgies or satanic rituals or whatever you want to call them that were happening at the house. He asserts that the LAPD does in fact have these tapes mm. anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lucas is obviously a very, very curious person, right? Um, you know, he, he started out Lucas films, uh, that was in San Francisco there, which was inside of the Presidio, uh, which a lot of conspiracy theorists recognize because it was a, a military complex where, there was alleged to be mind control happening and abuse mm -hmm. of, uh, of, uh, children and stuff. Sorry about that. Um, that's George uh, yeah, Lucas. So, on the line. And, yeah. You know, he got me, <laughs> darn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino, he was a, a Satanist in the army and he was, a he ran the uh, psyops department, which again ties into everything, mm -hmm. right? We, this idea of manipulation by understanding the mind of the masses uh, is, is instrumental to understanding how this whole thing works. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, Lucas was also, he was, uh, you know, if you recall Altamont there in uh, San Francisco where the Rolling Stones were infamously performing right. right after they performed Sympathy for the Devil, the next song, the Meredith Hunter was killed. By the Hell's Angels, stabbed to death, basically in the front row. Yeah, I mean, which which is nuts, right? And um, 
we find out that George Lucas, that was his first time uh, or his first job professionally filming. He was a cameraman. Really? Uh, the only, yeah, yeah. And the only shot they used, um, if you watch Gimme Shelter, which is the documentary about that incident, you'll find that the last shot is a bunch of people sort of running up and over a hill in slow motion with the full moon above it. And uh, that's the shot that that uh, George Lucas actually filmed. That's the only shot of his that made the uh, documentary. What's the tie in there? Just that he was there? Um, yeah, right. Um, and, and, that, and that's just, you know, some gee whiz stuff because the Altamont thing and that period of time was was very strange there's lots of weird stuff that happened uh like for instance with altamont they chose they chose that day based on what astrologers uh, told them to use they said that the moon was going to be in scorpio and they and they actually they thought that there was going to be uh evil tidings and acts of violence on that day why they chose that to be the day that altamont i, I don't know um but you know you you look at the occult. There's a guy named Kenneth Anger. Uh, he he's a avant-garde sort of filmmaker, very controversial guy. He was doing a lot of films early in like the 50s and 60s that were, uh, you know, very risque for the time. Uh, he made a film called Scorpio Rising that had all these sort of occult themes, uh, magic, because he was a follower of Aleister Crowley, right? Uh, magic causing changes in conformity with the will was one of the themes. And Scorpio Rising was a companion film to Lucifer Rising that he had done, which starred Bobby Beausoleil, who was wow. a, one of the murderers in the Manson mm-hmm. family. But there's all these weird little six degrees of separation here. And, and, and of course, um, Mick Jagger, he was supposed to play Lucifer in Lucifer Rising. Uh, I think he was actually in Scorpio Rising. Mm. And don't quote me on that. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's all these sort of weird things that uh, connect into the idea of a sort of dark energy being called upon. And, you know, that's, that's what I find with the Manson story and Altamont is sort of dark elements being conjured up and these dark events happening. Well, it seems like there's also a lot of elements of mind control in there as well. I mean, even when you're talking about the, the Manson family in general, I mean, why would these peaceful hippies just turn into, you know, insane killers because of one out of work songwriter in Charles Manson, you know, it's very strange. Yeah. It, that, and that it all it is very strange. The, um, the, uh, and if you look through a lot of literature, there's like a doctor named John C. Lilly. Uh, and he was writing about how humans, our minds are basically computers. And, uh, and he even talked about how you could flood the mind with occult symbols and language to create a new reality. And a lot of a lot of people seem to like reference John Lilly. I mean, this was like in the 50s, 60s during the MK Ultra time frame when they were doing this sort of stuff. And that in that book Chaos that I mentioned, they basically assert that Charles Manson was in fact involved with MK Ultra and he was in fact a participant of the program unknowingly perhaps. Um but but yeah, it's a very curious time. It's like it's almost like they learned the Illuminati. That is, it's almost like they learned so much with MK Ultra that things really accelerated from the '60s onward um, as far as changing our reality and changing our world. 
Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I guess as we as we start to to wrap things up here, um, you mentioned Aleister Crowley a few times, and I, I've done done a whole show about him recently. Was he Illuminati as well? Um, you know, I I gotta say he was. If he wasn't necessarily in the Illuminati, he was instrumental to their belief system. Uh, you know, called the wickedest man alive for a reason. He ascended through all these ranks of secret societies, learning the occult practices. He was a sort of modern-day Pythagoras in the sense that he went around and synthesized all of these occult teachings and then tried to present them to the masses, which was something that Blavatsky, who was around just prior to Crowley, kind of at the same time, a little bit overlap, um, she believed that now was the time. She believed that the, uh, the time to share the information with the masses was was now and that is arguably what was instrumental in changing our world you know crowley was the the originator of sex drugs and rock and roll and and you know his purpose for doing that wasn't the same as what people understand it today his purpose of doing it was to achieve a higher uh level of perception of the world of reality uh, because when you when you look at what these occultists get into they get into these uh, apollonian dionysian ritual things with the idea that you could flood the mind with, with uh, you know, these things, drugs, sex, drumming, rock and roll, that sort of thing. You could flood the mind and reach a new level of uh, closer to the divine, to the, to, to the, the God energy of some sorts. And that's what uh, I think Crowley was, was working on or was successful at. I mean, depends on what you want to believe from Crowley. I mean, but he was, from his own words, channeling spirits and talking to these demons and <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff. And a lot of his uh, teachings and understandings, like he, he infamously said, every woman and every man is a star with the idea that, you know, every man and woman can become God of their own. And that's kind of where our world is today with, you know, social media and, and so on. Anyone can become God now. Interesting uh, statement there. Um, what is, uh, last question for you, what do you feel the overall end game is for the Illuminati? I think the end game is immortality. They seek to be immortal. Uh, they want to become gods. I don't know if we're all invited on that journey, mm. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, and, and uh, I think they're going to try to achieve that through transhumanism, through a digital matrix. And this is something they've been, they've been looking at for forever, uh, going all the way back, hundreds of years. The, this alchemical process, the fountain of youth, the great work of Freemasonry, it's all the same theme. It's, it's seeking immortality. And that's what going way back to the Garden of Eden. That's what the serpent promised Adam and Eve. They will become like gods. And, uh, yeah, I think that's ultimately the end game is creating this sort of understanding the mind and perfecting technology to the point of getting us all to sort of jump into this digital matrix. And, and this coronavirus thing is very telling of, uh, how this could happen, right? It's kind of scary. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't want to go on like this for months and years. I mean, this is crazy. So the idea that you could create a virtual reality world that I could strap a helmet on and go and actually interact with human beings again, uh, that's very enticing right now, right? So, yeah, I think ultimately that is the end game: is uh, immortality and creation of a digital matrix. Jeez, man. It's amazing how these uh, movies that you think would be completely just, you know, fantasy like Star Wars or even talking about The Matrix, just how 
as time goes on, they get, you know, more and more relevant to the world that we live in in this day and age. Yeah, yeah. And, and I talked about that on my podcast just recently because <laughs> I've been uh, I've been really bummed out. But, you know, I got I've got a little bit of depression, a little bit of anxiety. So as you can imagine, this is a pure nightmare for me to deal with all this stuff. Mm. But, um, you know, I talked about this. I said, you know, like The Matrix is a good example. Cypher on the movie, the character Cypher, he he basically tells the agent like, Hey man, put me back in the matrix. Cause this sucks. Like I'm eating gruel <laughs> on this ship and this is a nightmare. Like that's how I feel right now. It's like, dude, whatever. Just get me off of this. Thing. Exactly, man. Well, it, once again, it's, 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 it's like I said, it's a strange time. And, and that's why all of these different thoughts and ideas, theories, evidence, and even just, you know, possible just fiction itself. It makes just as much sense as what we're going through. So I appreciate you. Uh, you, I, I guess I gave you a little bit of a diversion today, so you don't have to sit there and watch the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I try to avoid that as much as I can, but man, it's hard not to. It's hard not to look for something uh, to get us out of this mess. Yeah, but, yeah, I, pre- I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, this, is, this is great. You're you're a wrestling legend, so I, I'm a big. Uh, I grew up on wrestling in the 80s, so this is a pretty big moment for me. Well, thanks, Isaac, uh, uh, if that is your real name, which we know it's not. (laughs) Be safe. Be safe, stay healthy, man. And uh, you gave us a lot to think about today. I appreciate that. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. (laughs) 